Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Glory to God. Go with me tonight to 1 Timothy 3, 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15. And I want to uh, look at this subject tonight, the purpose of the church. And uh, I don't know how long we'll be on this, but uh, uh, I've got a couple of things percolating in my spirit for Sundays and Wednesdays. But uh, this became so real to me uh, because uh, yesterday, actually, I stayed home with Liliana and let Pastor Michelle come to the, to the office. She had some things she wanted to do, needed to do. And uh, I, uh, I watch some things on Christian TV. I don't watch, I don't watch a lot of TV at all, but uh, I watch minimal Christian TV. Uh, but in any event, she was watching something on her Kindle, and so I was flipping around. We have different uh, broadcasters. I mean, obviously, VTN, that's the one I watch the most, but we have these other stations that we have access to. And so anyway, I was flipping through, and I was... I, uh, uh, stopped on this one program because the guy had a big uh, uh, placard behind him and it was on something that I had been studying on. And I thought, well, let me see what he's got to say. And uh, he never got into it he, I, that I know of because I turned it. But the point is, is before he started, he said, but first of all, I want to go to the headlines. And he had a, a big binder with all the headlines of what's going on in the news and all the doubt and all the unbelief and all the fear and all the failure. And he's just regurgitating all of that on his church. And uh, then he goes over into conspiracy theories and, and overreacting about certain things. It, the only thing I'm going to say about it is this. It just it boggles my mind sometimes how people can be demanding something and demanding something and then they get it and, oh, it's, it's, now, now they got to come up with another reason why it's bad. And, uh, but he started talking about all these different things and it just came up in my spirit. The purpose of the pulpit is not to rehash the news. It's to preach the gospel to preach the gospel because there are people that you know and I know that they spend the majority of their day with their nose in some news source and then they want to come to church and have me straighten everything out in 45 minutes and that's just never going to work amen because the more garbage you put in (laughs) the more garbage has to go out and so I thought about this, the purpose of the church. Well, 1 Timothy 3 and 15, and we're going to talk about the purpose and the power of the church. And 1 Timothy 3 and verse 15 is my favorite scripture concerning the local church in the entirety of the Bible. And Paul writes to Timothy, and this is the pastoral epistle, one of them, Titus, and 2 Timothy is the other one. And he says to Pastor Timothy, if I tarry long, it is so that you might know how to behave yourself 
in the house of God, notice what he says, which is the church of the living God, and then he makes this statement, the pillar and the ground of the truth. This is a magnificent honor that's bestowed upon the church right here because he says the church, the local church, the church of the living God is the pillar. The word pillar is the stay or the support. It carried the idea of a column holding a roof up, holding a building up. And Paul says the first thing about the local church is this. It's the pillar, it's the support structure of the truth. All right? People will say, well, people are abandoning truth today. If truth is being abandoned, it's because the local church is being abandoned. If the local church is in place, truth will always be going out into the, into, into the neighborhood, into the city, into the lives of the people. And then he says it's not only the stay or not only the, the, the pillar, the supporting column. He says it is the pillar and the ground. The word ground is the anchor, all right, or the stay, all right. In other words, when you're in the local church, you're not only is the truth being supported and the truth being held up, it anchors people to the truth. It anchors people to the truth. That's the purpose of the church is to keep people anchored to the truth, anchored to the Word of God, all right? When you look at the, the five-fold ministry, the five-fold ministry can be likened to a human hand, and you've got the apostle, which is the thumb, one of the strongest ministries, helps hold everything together. You've got the prophet that points people to Jesus, all right, through the inspired utterance at the spur of the moment. Then you've got the evangelist, which kind of stands out above everybody else, right? He's a little bigger, a little more flamboyant than everyone else. But then you come to the pastor, the local church. The local church keeps people married to God. The local church keeps people married to God. And then you have the teacher, and you know, the, the, the little finger, it, it doesn't look like it does that much. Well, just try to go without it. I mean, you'll want it back, all right? So sometimes people say the teacher's kind of dry or he's not very emotional. Yeah, but what he's saying is so anointed, it'll change your life. Now, all five of those ministry gifts are for the local church, but only one of them keeps people married to God. Only one of them is given for the local church to lead the local church. The others are a support structure. Now, the, the reason I'm saying that is that's the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is not to get involved in politics. The purpose of the church is not to rehash the news headlines. The purpose of the church is not to try to do this or do that. The anointing will begin to wane. The anointing will begin to weaken because there's an anointing on the local church to keep people anchored to the truth. That is the purpose of the church. Now, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, let's look at a, a few things that Jesus said concerning the church. <clears throat> and uh, Matthew 10, verse 7. This is when he had called uh, the 12 to him. And we can actually look at verse 1 of chapter 10. When he had called unto him his 12 disciples and gave them power or authority against or over unclean spirits 
to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the first thing we see is here are 12 unborn again men that have not yet received salvation. They've not yet received the Holy Spirit to dwell in them. But Jesus, who was the embodiment of the church in the earth, he calls them together and he gives them delegated power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Amen. Then in verse 7, he said, as you go, he sent them out, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the dominion of the king. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you've received, freely give. That's the purpose of the church. That's the purpose of the church. Preach the kingdom of heaven, the dominion of the king, the realm of the authority of the king is here. Then heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you receive, freely give. Now there is no entity that was given that amount of power that does not still have the ability to operate in that. God never retracted any of the authority from the church. It's, it's, it's stronger now than it's ever been. Because of what Jesus did. Amen. In uh, Luke 9. Let's look at these. Luke chapter 9. I'm, I'm going through this. Because as the church. There's no reason to think. That what upends the world is going to upend us. We are undefeatable. We can't be defeated. The church of the living God can't be defeated. It will not. The church of the living God has never taken a step back to the devil. And we're not going to start now. It's, it's important that we, that we understand this. In uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 1. And he called his 12 disciples together, together and gave them power wonder-working power, and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Now notice what it says, over all devils. The word in the Greek is demons, but devils are demons. We have authority over all of them. Over all of them. Is that right? Amen. Then in uh, Luke 10, just one chapter over, Verse 8, this is when he called the uh, uh, 70 together. In Luke 9, he called the 12, and now he calls the 70 together. Verse 8, and into whatever city you enter and re they receive you, eat such things that are set before you, and heal the sick that are there. <laughs> Notice, that's just, that's just a given where you go, heal the sick. And say to them, notice, the kingdom of God is come near you. So the evidence of the kingdom of God is the authority that we possess. Then verse 18, the 70 return. Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall as lightning from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Is that what it says? 
And nothing, does it say nothing, shall by any means hurt you. Now, how many things are not included in nothing? None. There's nothing that's not included in nothing. Is that right? This is important. Because when you, I'm going to read you another verse in a moment that's very familiar to you. But when you realize you're a part of that kind of entity, something changes on the inside of you. And you realize that nothing shall by any means hurt me. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. Nothing shall by any means hurt me. Hallelujah. Now this is the Word. If it's in the Word, it's in the Word. Hallelujah. Now notice Matthew 16. I'm going through these verses to show you what you're a part of. And then we're going to go to some other verses that will really, I believe, instill within you the idea and the understanding of how powerful the local church is. The the local church locally and universally. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. And I say unto you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, what rock? The rock of the revealed knowledge of who Jesus is. On that knowledge, on that revealed knowledge, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Do you see that? Amen. So every time I hear a preacher talking about how weak the church is and how powerless the church is, I want to take him back to these verses and take him back to school and say there's nothing weak or powerless about the church because Jesus said it was his church built on the rock of the revealed knowledge of who he was and that the gates of hell could not prevail against it. Cannot. And other translation says, the the gates of hell, the powers of death, will not prevail against it. Folks, you got to understand something. What you shout about on Sunday, you got to live on Monday. Amen? If, if, if If I shout that Jesus has given me power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt me, I live my life that way. Not flippant, not irresponsible, but I live with that ingrained in my spirit. I'm not going to fear what they fear because I have power over all the power of the enemy. Is that right? Amen. Then he says, and I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. No other entity but the people that are part of the church of the living God have that ability in the earth. Because we've been given the keys. The keys to what? Bind and loose. Hallelujah. And notice he said that they, we were undefeatable. What's built on revelation cannot be defeated. You cannot. It's impossible. Amen. Now, there's a reason that the church is not as so many say. Let's go over to 1 Thessalonians 4. Now, we're going to look at some things concerning the rapture and some other issues that Paul deals with here in 1 Thessalonians 4. The more I've looked at this, I've always been, uh, I mean, I wrote the book, The Local Church, The Hope of the World. And I've always 
Always. I remember one time I was talking to a, uh, a gentleman, uh, uh, FCF rep, Faith Christian Fellowship, uh, relational rep, a uh, friend of mine, and he had called me. This is the first time we were talking, and, and uh, he was asking me some questions. And finally he said, Philip, what excites you? What, what he, his words, what turns you on? I said, the local church. Local church. Because that's what God's doing. You know, other, I, I said this jokingly with my wife, you know, Brother Copeland, the Lord told him that 2021 was the year of the local church. And I looked at her and I said, every year is the year of the local church for me. Never changes. It, it, is, it is Holy Spirit central. It is the hub of God's power. And, uh, but Paul writes some things here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 15. He says, For this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord. Now, the coming of the Lord, well, we'll deal with that in a moment. Shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of the archangel. With the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, in light of that, comfort or exhort one another with these words. All right? So he tells us that what we should be doing is comforting one another with this understanding. Now, the Woost Bible says, then as for us who are living and are left behind together with them, the dead in Christ, we shall be snatched away forcibly in clouds for a welcome meeting with the Lord in the lower atmosphere. And thus shall we be with the Lord so that be encouraging one another with these words. Now, there's some things to see is that in, at the rapture of the church, Jesus doesn't physically touch the earth. Uh, at the catching away of the church. He appears in the lower atmosphere and we're caught up along with the righteous dead to meet him in the clouds and to be with him for eternity. Notice in this instance, now this is important, notice that there's no mention of the tribulation. No mention of the Antichrist. No mention of plagues or etc. Why? Very simple. None of those things can occur, occur till the church is caught up. Cannot. And taken out of the earth. Now we got Bible for it. We're going to show you. But the point is, is that you don't see that here because it cannot occur while the church is here. The church is in such a position of power, and, and we're going to read other things, that even the Antichrist can't be revealed till we're gone. Not won't be, cannot be. Cannot be. Amen. Why? We'd overpower him. Now, notice 1 Thessalonians 5 and 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. The Roost Bible says God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, why is this important? I was, I was teaching Monday night uh, along these lines somewhat in, in Bible school. When Jesus was on the cross, when you read in the Gospels, it says that they offered him vinegar and gall, all right, mixed together. And what that was was a mild sedative. It was a mild painkiller, all right, uh, to prolong ultimately the suffering, the, the, the agony on the cross. Jesus wouldn't take it. Now, the reason he wouldn't take it was he had to suffer the full cup of the suffering. All right? Why? Because, because you and I were justly in line for the full cup of God's wrath. And Jesus had to suffer it to the full. Now, the cross was the gateway, the doorway, the entryway to Jesus suffering for us in hell. The Bible says Jesus went to hell and suffered there until the claims of justice were fulfilled. And then, of course, He rose from the dead, put His blood on the heavenly mercy seat, and now is our high priest that intercedes for us forever. But here's the thing. Jesus already suffered the full cup of the wrath of God for everyone in the world. Everyone in the world will not experience the benefit of that because everyone won't believe that He did it. But for those of us that believe that He did it, we have no appointment with wrath. None. Not just at the, at, the, at the judgment seat of Christ. We have no appointment with the wrath of God on this earth. That's why I hear people saying things. Oh, this is the wrath of God. Can't be the wrath of God. We're here. Cannot be. It, it cannot be. We have no appointment with wrath. Amen. Do, do, do you understand that? I'm going to say something. I want, I want you to understand it. In Matthew 24, Jesus talks about all these things coming on the world. Who is he talking to? Not the church. Wasn't talking to the church. He was talking to the Jews. To the disciples. You do know Matthew 24 was not under the new covenant. It's included in the New Testament, but it was actually under the old law. And Jesus said that all these things would come on the world. Now the reason I'm telling you this, are we facing challenging times? Yes. But if you think this is the wrath of God, you don't understand God's wrath. He said, we do not have an appointment with wrath. The Woots Bible says, God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We won't go through the tribulation, which is the pouring out of the wrath of God. The Bible says we will obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not salvation like your born-again salvation. It's the word soteria, which includes deliverance and rescue. We are not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. So before the wrath is poured out, there will be a deliverance and a rescue for the church. Amen. Now, why is this so important? Because that's, that's who we are. That's how much stock God puts in His church. Amen. 
in 2 Thessalonians 2. So God appointed you when you were born again to receive rescue. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled neither by spirit or by word or by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day, the day of Christ, the second coming of Jesus, shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself or acting like or presenting himself as God. Do you not remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what withholdeth or what holds back, or what restrains, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work, only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Now, Jesus said, or Paul says through the Holy Spirit, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Day of Christ, day of the Lord, second coming, are all phrases for the physical return of Jesus to the earth. And Paul says that day cannot come, the second coming, the revealing of the man of sin, until there come a falling away first. Now, that falling away has been taught as a great backsliding that will occur. Well, that may have been well-intentioned, but it was an error. The Woos Bible says this in 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Do not begin to allow anyone to lead you astray in any way, because that day, the second coming, the revealing of the man of sin, shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. So the falling away is not a great apostasy as it is the church gets out of here. He says all of these events that are going to signal the second coming of Jesus cannot, let's, let's read it again, it cannot come before the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first. And so you've had generations of preachers that preach something that was well-intentioned but in error, and you've got the whole church company looking for a great falling away, a great backsliding in the church. When the Scripture tells us that as the time gets closer, the church is getting more glorious and more powerful with more authority. Amen. Jesus is not returning in the rapture of the church for a church that's mostly falling away. Hallelujah. The Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church is caught up. Notice verse 6. And now you know 
what withholdeth that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity does already work, only he that now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. The Roost Bible says, And now you know with a positive assurance that which, namely the departure of the church, the saints being assembled with the Lord, is preventing his being disclosed as to his true identity. That's what's preventing it, is the church. Now, ever since I've been, I've been around, ever since I've been on the earth, as long as I can remember, Every pope has been the Antichrist. I remember when my grandmother came home from church and told us all that Henry Kissinger was the Antichrist. I was talking to Assembly of God pastor one time and he told me Joseph Lieberman was the Antichrist. Amen. It's impossible. It's impossible. Because the Bible says you will not know his identity as long as the church is here. Now, why am I saying all this to you? Look at the power the church has. That even the man of sin, Satan's number one agent ever, cannot be revealed while the church is in the earth. Why? We got power over him. Over all the power of the enemy. Did you see this? And so when the church gets away from its purpose, what happens is the power starts to wane. Amen. I'm not supposed to be a politician. I'm not supposed to be a news reporter. I'm not supposed to have interviews with people about what's going on in the world. I'm supposed to preach the gospel. Paul wrote Timothy the pastor, and he said when times are good and when times are bad, when it's in season or out of season, favorable or unfavorable, you preach the word. Because that's what's going to set people free. That's what's going to turn people's lives around. I, 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 was, I met with Kim today about our calendar. And man, I'm stocking, I'm stocking next year with more days of preaching the Word. We're going to have six days here where Pastor Michelle and I just preach on faith. Six days of faith. We're going to have them in both locations. We're bringing people in. Prophets, pastors, evangelists. We're bring, Listen, we're going to shake our city up. We're going to shake our county up. We're going to shake our city, state, nation, and world. Why? It's the purpose of the church. Amen. Well, what if things don't get better? Well, you just hide and watch. Because we're going to do what God asks us to do. Amen. Now, this, this is important. Because he starts with, now you know what's withholding the Antichrist. And he states that the Antichrist cannot be revealed until the church departs. And then he says, now you know what's withholding him. I've heard people say, well, you know, it's the Holy Spirit withholding him. Wrong. And I'll tell you why it's wrong. Because the Holy Spirit never leaves the earth. And and here's why. The Bible says for anybody to come to Christ, the Spirit has to draw them. In the book of Revelation, the first thing we see is 144,000 Jewish evangelists anointed by the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel. Getting people saved. 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel, 144,000. They finish their assignment and they're raptured up to heaven. 
Then we see the Holy Spirit infilling and coming on two witnesses. And they witness in the streets of Jerusalem that Jesus is Lord. That, God, that the wrath of God is being poured out. That you need to turn your life around. Amen. They, they preach the gospel. And then after, after they're caught up, they're raptured, they were martyred, and then they came back to life. <laughs> and then they're caught up. And then the Bible says, now angels are flying through the heavens preaching the everlasting gospel. Because God's not willing that any should perish. But here's the point. If it was the Holy Spirit, nobody would be getting saved. The church leaves. The church company leaves. The Holy Spirit stays. Why? The church has to leave because in that three and a half years of tribulation, the Bible says that the man of sin, the Antichrist, when he comes on the scene, the first thing he does is sign a seven-year peace agreement with Israel and other nations. But halfway through that agreement, he breaks it. Amen. Well, the church is in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb, receiving our rewards. Amen. But then at one time, at some point, the Father's going to look at the Son and say, it's time to go take the earth back. And then the Bible says that all of us will come back with Him. Amen. And Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Glory to God. And we'll sit on thrones and we'll judge the nations. After a thousand years, Satan is released. Amen. Goes about and gets the nations to mount one final attack against God. I don't know how he did it, but he did. Well, he stole the world so we can understand how he did it. But God defeats him with the fire that comes out of his mouth. And then the Bible says he is judged, put in chains, and cast into the lake of fire with the Antichrist and the false prophet forever and ever and ever. End of the devil, no more devil. Amen. And we get to see it, and we get to participate in it. Why? Because we were the ones that held to the name of Jesus. We were the ones that held up the bloodstained banner. We were the ones that walked in the local church. We were the ones that held the name of Jesus on high. And when the trumpet sounded and the voice of the archangel commenced, we left here in a moment in a twinkling of an eye and we're here one second and in the clouds with Jesus the next. Oh, glory. Now some have an issue with this. Because it uses the term he. There's a reason for that. Because many have been taught that the church is the bride of Christ. Now, I, I, I'm going to show you some things here. But the Bible says through, in Scripture, it says we're the body of Christ. It says we're the church of the living God. There are other names used, but never the bride. The church is never called the bride. Now you have your Bible, you can do your own study on it. But I'm, I'm telling you unequivocally, the church is never called the bride. You'll hear well-meaning ministers. They'll write books about the church being the bride of Christ. And then they'll say, well, you know, but Ephesians 5 says we are. No, it doesn't. It does not. Ephesians 5 says this. Paul says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. He didn't say, love your wives as Christ loves his bride. 
He said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. So he says the way our love should be for our physical wives is that we should love them by giving ourselves for them as Christ gave his life for the church. And toward the end of those verses, he says, I speak a great mystery because I speak concerning Christ and the church. In other words, I'm speaking, I'm telling you how you should love your wives because that's the way Christ loves the church. Now, there's a very simple explanation, but i got a scripture that we'll look at in just a moment. There's a very simple, simple exclamation. Is Jesus male or female? It's not a trick question. Does the Bible say, and in, in when Paul wrote Timothy, he said there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ. Is that right? So, so help me, that, let me know that you heard me. Jesus is a, a man, male, right? The Bible says we're the body of Christ. Jesus cannot have a male, bo- a male head and a female body. And you cannot be a, 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 a male and be a wife. Despite what the world says. Right? You, you just can't be. So Jesus is a male. He's the head. We're the body. You can't have a male head and a female body. Hallelujah. (laughs) That this is important. Amen. Because when when you look at this, our relationship to Christ is that He loves us as a godly man loves his wife. But we are His body. We are his body. People say, well, but the, the parable of the ten virgins. Well, what's it say? What's the parable of the ten virgins say? None of the virgins were the bride. None of them were. It never says that. They were waiting on the bridegroom. Well, the bride isn't waiting out in the street for the bridegroom. People say, well, where's the church? The church, are, the church is the friends of the, bro, of the groom. That's who the church is. That's what Jesus said. I've called you my friends. The five wise were people that were ready for the return. The five foolish were people that should have been prepared for an event they knew were coming, and yet they didn't prepare. They weren't late for their wedding. Well, what about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Well, let's go over to Revelation 21. And I'll show you a scripture and then you do what you want to do with it. Hallelujah. Because again, this is in the scripture. Verse 9, Revelation 21 and 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife. Is that what he said? And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Now now put the words together. I will show you the bride, the Lamb's wife, 
carried me in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And here's what he showed me. The great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And it goes through all these attributes of the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. Now, if the church were the bride of Christ, why did the angel show John something else? People say, well, I don't understand it. Well, I may not understand it either, but it's in the Bible. And so I have the word for it. That's what I got to go with. Now, now the reason that's important is because there are people that didn't understand the power of the church, what we read in 2 Thessalonians, because Paul kept using the word he, and they kept saying that's the Holy Spirit. And so it led to false teaching that the church was going to go through the tribulation, that the church was going to experience the wrath of God, and it got into all kind of messed up teaching, and the church lost the identity of the power they have. But the he is the body of Christ. And notice that because of the body of Christ, the man of sin cannot be revealed. Cannot. You are a part of something that is so dynamic, that is so power-filled, that is so authoritative that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. Cannot. It's impossible. And so every time you hear someone talking about the weakness of the church, they may be talking about the carnal church, they may be talking about the sneaker-friendly church or the apostate church, they're not talking about the church. They might be talking about an assembly somewhere, but they're not talking about the church of the living God. And, and, that, and there are churches that are churches of the living God in every denomination, in every non-denominational, Word of Faith, Baptist, Pentecost, there are all kinds of churches that are holding up the blood-stained banner of Jesus Christ and have not let down on it one bit. There is no church that is the perfect church. We are all the body of Christ placed here on the earth to occupy until Jesus comes and keep the devil under our feet. Oh, glory to God. Amen. When, when I was a boy growing up in church, <laughs> there, there was a saying that, you know, when, when the devil starts reminding you of your past, just remind him of his future. Amen. They, they would say this, well, I've read the back of the book and we win. Well, I've, I've read the whole book and we win all the way through it. Not just at the back. The victory's not relegated to the back of the book. That's just the culmination of it. Amen. Now this is important. I'm going to try to start wrapping it up. Where Jesus said in the world, you'll have tribulation. Pressure. That's all that means. Pressure. I I think we could say this, this year we've had some pressure. But he said, don't cry about it. Right? Don't worry about it. Don't wring your hands. Don't talk about how bad it is. Why would you lend your authority-filled mouth to what the world's saying? Well, I heard him say this. Why would you agree with that? 
Hallelujah. Is that right? Amen. I don't want to start agreeing. There's too much authority in my mouth. And so, what was I talking about? Anybody remember? What's that? Oh, pressure. Thank you. So he said, we'll have pressure. But he said, here's what you do. Be of good cheer. Now, wait a minute. Remember, what you hear on Wednesday, you got to live on Thursday. So he said, you'll have tribulation, but you be of good cheer. Why? I've overcome the world. One translation says, I've deprived the world of its power to harm you. So the world has been deprived of power to harm us. Amen. Because of the authority that we've been given. This is so important. And when you get up every day, the first thing that's in your mind is you're part of the church. That cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. Cannot be defeated. Amen. Listen, I'll say it this way. Even death can't defeat you. Even death can't defeat you. Death is an enemy, but it has no hold over me. It's been defeated. Even where that's concerned. So even that shouldn't produce fear. Amen. Well, pastor, what if I die? Oh, the other side of that's glorious. <laughs> I mean, my goodness. How, how could we get right? And when you get that ingrained in your mind, all the ability of the enemy, it's gone. It's gone. There's, there's nothing he can do to undermine or defeat you. Hallelujah. Ben Priest, who started the uh, uh, Tribe of Judah Motorcycle Club, uh, been doing that for a number of years. He was witnessing to a, a biker one time, and, and this big burly biker got mad at him and pulled a double-barrel shotgun out and put it right to his head and said, I think I'll just blow your head off. And Ben Priest said, please do me a favor. No fear. He said, because the minute you pull that trigger, the second you pull that trigger, I'll be seeing Jesus' face. So you're the one that has a problem. Even if you kill me, you still got to keep living in this world. Amen. The only thing that happens at the death of a believer is this body loses its usefulness. There's a cessation of physical life, but you and I never die. There's no pain. There's no struggle. There's no hurting. The Bible says the sting of death has been taken away. Why? That's the power that Jesus gave us when He rose from the grave. He has the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Death, hell, and the grave. And He took the sting of it away. The only entity that can say that on the earth is the church of the living God. <laughs> so the authority that Jesus gave us extends to death. It has no authority over me. The Bible, the Bible says that he'll take sickness from your midst and the number of your days you would fulfill. That's what it says. Hallelujah. Because we're part of 
the church. Amen. That is the purpose of the church. That's the plan of God for His body. Is that we exercise and operate in that, in that power. Amen. And, uh, you know, as, as we do that, as we do that, the, the, <laughs> the faith in your heart just gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Amen. I've had people ask me, well, aren't you worried about things? Well, what is exactly, just exactly what is there to worry about? Now, I know people have suffered. I know people have faced challenges. I understand that. I, I don't minimize that. But here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Ever what you talk about or deal with, there's a promise in the Word to cover that. Amen. There's a consistent stimulus check right here. (laughs) Open the Bible and let it stimulate you every day. Amen. Hallelujah. You say, what is the Bible? Mouth-to-mouth resuscitation with God. Amen. (laughs) He said, the words I speak unto you, they're spirit and they're life. Amen. So just just put it up there and let Him revive you. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Let's stand up tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Whew. Of course, we'll be back Sunday for another great service. God's going to meet us and bless us. and A lot of good things happening. A lot of good things happening. Amen? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. So, Father, I thank you for your people tonight. I thank you for their hearts for you. I thank you, Father, that as we prepare to enter into this new year, that the cry in our heart is let us draw near to you. And Father, we thank you for the manifestation of your goodness in our midst, in our homes, in our family, in our marriages, in our lives. And we thank you, Father, that in truth, we are the church of the living God and we are the power source in the earth. We thank you for it in Jesus' name.